like I think you tell a satisfying story and I think you have a cool experience you know a worthwhile a valuable experience whether or not the two characters you know quote-unquote get together at the end and whether they get together at the end like even if they do it might not be a good thing Your fun relationship podcast, where we usually play games and then talk about relationships, dating, and we answer your questions. Mel's usually the one who says that stuff, but she's off right now, putting the pal in principle. And I'm here making this podcast for you, because there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep me away from you, faithful listeners. I don't want to delay you too much because today we have an amazing interview with none other than Alex Roberts, host of the Backstory Podcast and creator of the game Starcrossed, which we played in our previous episode. She joins us to talk about game design, romance, religion even, and at the end she even plans her dream wedding and we learn her favorite color. You will not want to skip out on listening to the silly game that we play at the end of this interview. It's an amazing interview. Alex is brilliant, insightful, funny, and extremely humble about all of her success. You're going to love listening to this interview as much as we loved making it with her. Thanks again, Alex, for taking the time to come on the show. Make sure you do not miss the chance to check out the game Starcrossed, available now on Kickstarter. The game is still being funded. It has right now raised over $40,000. And you can still back it until May 10th. I know that they're shooting for another stretch goal of $50,000. So if you are listening to this on release day, you have a week to back it. And trust me, you want to. We love this game so much, and we know you will too. You can follow Alex Roberts on Twitter as Muscular Pikachu. This episode of Pod of Love is brought to you by the All Ports Open Podcast Network. You can find this podcast and all of our amazing podcasts at www.allportsopen.com with great podcasts like No Avatars Allowed, The Refugees of Esmeralda, and our flagship podcast, PDB10. Go check those out now if you haven't. You can find us also on iTunes where you can leave us a review. That always helps us out a ton to spread the word about Pod of Love. We have had a number of awesome listeners spreading the word about Pot of Love on Twitter, like the Of Dice and Men podcast, which you need to check out, Shiny Happy Meeples, Greg is on the go, our friends at the Heart Points podcast, which you do not want to miss, another local Philly favorite, the Everything is Awesome podcast. We thank you all and everyone who has been listening and spreading the word about the show, especially if you've used the hashtag Lovecast to talk about our episodes. That's hashtag Lovecast. We don't pay for any advertising, so you spreading the word is the only way we have to draw in new listeners. So if you like what you hear, please keep spreading the word. 
We also need your relationship, dating, sex, romance, and love advice questions. Tweet at us or email us at podoflove at gmail.com. And we are Pod of Love on Twitter. Boy, oh boy, that was a whole bunch of ado, I know, friends. And so, now it is time. Enjoy this interview with the great Alex Roberts, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Joining us is Alex Roberts, who you probably know from a bunch of things, uh, including hosting the Backstory podcast and her game, which is on Kickstarter right now, Starcrossed, the two-player game of Forbidden Love. Alex, yes. welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. You've been doing all of the rounds on like all of the podcasts. <laughs> I truly have. Yeah, this has been my, my fun little media circuit. I'm enjoying it. I just like talking to people. Didn't you do an Ask Me Anything just today? Yeah, I'm still in the middle of that Ask Me Anything. There's still a couple of questions that have come in this evening. So I've been checking it throughout the day. And eventually, I've been really, really happy with like the caliber of questions and stuff that people have asked. People have been very sweet and very like thoughtful in their questions and thinking things through. So it's it's been actually yeah pretty good conversation. Awesome. So you're not tired of being asked the same questions over and over again yet? <laughs> no, uh, there's definitely two or three questions that I'm kind of like, I should really have like set answers for these by now. Like every time someone asks me like, what are your favorite like role playing systems or like, what what are some other, what's, what are some systems that like inspired uh, Starcrossed? I, I have to like think it over from scratch and I'm like, okay, I remember, I think I remember like the core five, but I know I'm forgetting like one or two. <laughs> so Okay, so either yeah. you're giving me questions to definitely ask you now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or to avoid. I'm pretty sure that was an avoid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, why don't you tell listeners who... So we our last episode of the show, we played an actual play of Starcrossed, which was yeah. a blast. Yeah, it was super fun. Okay, so I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So under the guise of uh, giving your listeners like the up to, the up to date the like last time on Pot of Love, mm-hmm. uh, give me give me the deets. Oh, so we played. Well, who did I you played play? a nun named Sister Grace, and I played a a monk slash priest named Brother Gregory. Oh, we in the Middle Ages. And mm-hmm. I was definitely the lead, even though I was the follow. <laughs> oh, yeah. which That's something I want to talk to you about. Classic. We'll get, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I was the follow. You were the lead. Yeah, he's editing, and he was like, you definitely should have been the lead. <laughs> Twelve times. Yeah, I cut out, actually cut out a few times of me saying that because it got really old yeah. for the podcast. But, yeah, so we the scenario was essentially that I was traveling through Europe I was in, we were in, in, in like today, England, and um, I stopped at the, the con- at the convent to have a place to stay, and the weather kept me there for longer than intended. I was supposed Ooh. to take a boat across the channel, mm-hmm. and so things went from there. I guess we can spoil it because, you know, it's our last episode, right? We well, can I think you should ask Alex if she wants spoilers first. <laughs> Do you yeah, want spoilers? Oh, I'm, I'm spoiler-proof. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. That does not harm me. We played all eight scenes, and during the last yeah, scene, the, the tower fell. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Super loud. <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, there was a point where Mel was like, this is this is terrifying. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
but it was a blast to play. We, we absolutely uh, adored playing the game. I guess, yeah, I was going to ask you to tell people like a little bit about what Starcross is, but we sort of well, just did, did, and they that. can listen to the last episode. Yeah. What I'm curious about... We definitely about- introduced Starcross in the last episode, so everyone should know. And if you there don't, you go. go back and listen to that episode. Absolutely. I'm curious how we got to this point. Like, How did Starcross get to this point? It took a very long time. I played Dread, uh, the Dread RPG, which is like a uh, uses the tower, but in a horror uh, setting, and uh, it uses play sets. So basically, they're like sets of character questionnaires and and plot outlines with some branching options uh, that you can use to tell the horror stories that Dread generates. And I played it for the first time just as I was really getting into RPGs. Like I'd played D and D forever. And I think I had just played like Fiasco and then we played Dread and like kind of a handful of other games like that. This really cool group that I had at the time. And I was just like so in love with it. I was so excited about it. And I was like, well, I'm going to write a playset where you're two people in love, you know, or like you have some sort of forbidden love or something like that. It's it's or, you know, it's like a sexual tension thing or something Uh, because I thought. They, I don't know. It was just really obvious, and it would just work so well. And then the it took me a long time to even try, and it did not work at all. That is not how that works at all. So it, I kind of gave up on it for a while. And then I think it took just uh, the right amount of time of like being around other people who are making games, excited about games, and really encouraging of me and and challenging of my ideas uh, before I actually sat down and was like, okay, well. You know, I'm go- I, I was going to Metatopia, and I was like, I'm going to bring it this time. I'm going to make it a real thing. So that maybe that was like two years ago. It would have been uh, November 2016. So like not even two years ago did I actually like actually sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write the thing. And then it's just been furiously like incorporating everything into it and then taking everything out of it and then putting everything back in and taking everything out. Uh, for pretty much just constantly since then. <laughs> Did you play um, other romance games as sort of inspiration or that maybe before you even had the idea to do this one? Oh, um, definitely, definitely, definitely. I think the only reason that this game got to exist at all is, you know, like the idea came from Dread, but the actual ability to do it came from playing games like uh, Kagematsu, or uh, Hot Guys Making Out, uh, Emily Carabas's Romance Trilogy. Like, I, there's no way I'd be able to make a game like this without those games kind of backing me up and giving me some some ground. Uh, and I played lots of romance. Uh, like, I encountered lots of mechanics and storylines and characters that involved romance in a lot of the LARPs that I was playing, and that just made it seem like, okay, this is fine. This is cool. I can do this. And especially when I played really sort of intense, intimate two-player games like 183 Days, for example, uh, or Shelter, that just, I don't know, something about someone else kind of blazing a little bit of a trail just makes you go like, okay, this is doable. And then if you get some like really specific mechanical inspiration, that's helpful too. (laughs) (laughs) So one question I had for you, especially like, I think we discussed it a couple times while we were playing or not discussed it, mentioned it was the idea of having to touch the tower. Anytime you have dialogue, can you tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit more about like how that came to fruition and like your thinking behind that? 
Sure. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm very, very happy with how that turned out because dialogue was such a sticking point because in a, in a story, not just of romance, but of like that tense will they or won't they type situation, it needs to like, you need to have so much unspoken and I feel like we've all been there in real life where it's like, I can't even talk to that person because if I, if I interact with that person, I'll give away everything. And I wanted to get that feeling and I wanted to have this, the sense of this sort of like really, really intense scenes of like hushed, whispered, you know, two words when you want to say everything, Mm -hmm. uh, that really, really restrained feeling. And it was so hard. And I went back and forth through like, you can only speak on your turn, you can only speak on their turn and like this and that. And uh, that was, I, the idea for touching the tower actually came from thinking about uh, a Danish LARP called Just a Little Loving, where like there are sex scenes in it, but you don't touch each other. You touch like a third object. And it uses that for like a completely different reason than what I needed. But I just happened to be thinking about it Actually, as I was driving home from Metatopia, uh, or I was riding home, my my friend Jason was sitting next to me, and I was just sitting there thinking about it, and I was like, "Whoa! Oh my God! Wow! There it is! It's it's that! It's that! If I make them touch the tower, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to touch a shaky Jenga tower. They they're gonna feel so scared and awkward about it, but they're still gonna want to say something. So that's a way of sort of making it." Um, scarce, causing a scarcity of dialogue. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant because I, I think we said at the end of the episode, like when I was touching the tower or even when Ben was touching the tower, it depended on what we were talking about, what was going on at the time, like the way that even just like our hands were moving. And I said, I don't know if it's because I like normally gesticulate wildly when I'm talking. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I felt like even for people who don't, it's like, your body is a direct extension, obviously, of you and of how you're feeling. Um, and so I thought that that tension, like, directly translated. Because when we were talking to each other and, like, being silly, it was easier to touch the tower than if, like, something really tense was going on, for example. Mm. There's this incredible, like, kinetic nature to it where, yeah. like, you have to touch the tower so gently in, when you're, especially in later scenes when it's become so tenuous and it like becomes this embodiment of how careful you need to be with what you say in the story. Like mm-hmm. your characters are being careful. Right. And you have to be careful. I, I can't think of another game system I know of that sort of like makes you embody, like in a tabletop RPG anyway, mm-hmm. that makes you embody of uh, like so well what's going on in the game. It's brilliant. Yeah, it really <laughs> it's is. brilliant. It for is that. really brilliant. Mm-hmm. There, Thank you. There's a moment in the in our game where uh I had just, like, we were towards the end, and I had just barely gotten a pull-off. And then I realized that I had said, after I pulled, I was going to speak. And then we were both like, oh, no, you have to touch (laughs) it still. And that was, like, that moment where it really solidified for me, because I was like, I still have to touch this thing. Mm -hmm. It's not, pulling wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just awesome. Yeah, and I think that directly mirrors, like, the, the... I don't know, I guess tenuous situation that you find these two characters in. And that's so cool because just the nature of the game puts you in those situations. And so having to touch the tower anytime you want to speak makes you really think about what you're going to say and how many words you're going to say and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, that sort of like over analysis of like, oh, I have to, I have to say just the perfect thing. Like that's how you feel when you have a crush on someone. I think anyway. Yeah, totally, that's, totally. That's me. It just works so well. It's so such an awesome mechanic. Well, I'm I'm really glad that it works for people. I mean, to me, again, like I think it comes from an exposure to like live action play where the idea of like embodying things and using your hands and using all that kind of stuff and that having an impact on the fiction inherently is just like really obvious. Like I'm glad that I had already played Shelter, for example, as a Sarah Williamson game where it's just like you're constantly using your hands at all times to like express what's going on in the story. Yeah, because that I... I don't know how I'd think of that otherwise. Yeah. We broke a rule that, uh, not intentionally, uh, which I only fully realized as I was listening to you play this game on One Shot, and that was, I don't think we had fully realized the rule that you have to also do a move when you speak to each other. Mm, yeah. You enforced, like, you made sure to mention in that One Shot actual play and then I, it dawned on me that I don't think we processed that rule. There's probably a bunch of times when uh-huh. we spoke to each other where we didn't also do a move. Yeah. I'm okay with that for our game. But I'm curious as to sort of – because it because it was a cute story and it worked out fine. But I, <laughs> but as, as far as like a game mechanic, what led you to sort of want to have it so that when you speak to one another, you're also doing a move? Uh, I just wanted to make sure that – again, that scenes didn't get bogged down in conversation, especially because those early scenes where the tower is still relatively stable, uh, the, the conversations can be quite comfortable uh, and can be quite normal. And I really wanted I really wanted expression and understanding of each other to come in very, very small drops. So having to touch the tower is one limitation because it kind of comes at a cost or this there, there's this risk. Uh, but the other way to slow it down a little is by uh, having you establish some movement uh, of your some piece of your character, establish uh, something about the environment. I think that we definitely need to play Starcrossed again, you know, whether it's just us or for the podcast, although I'd love to record it because I find that like, you know, to get real meta for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. like you have, it makes you think about so many things. Like, you know, I was nerding out about having to touch the tower and what a great mechanic that is. But I think also like you think about the, just the human dynamic, the human interaction, the situation you find yourself in. Then you think about like, what do I, the player think? What would my character think? You know? And so I just think that there's so much more for us to explore as like, you know, podcasters but also as a couple um which is i mean i don't mean to get off topic but i think that we need to really look more into games such as this where you're exploring like relationships on a smaller scale right like when we play D, you could have like a group of five or whatever the case may be but when you're playing just with one other person that dynamic is so different and i think this game definitely embodies that and 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 stays true to the nature of that relationship and those interactions Thank you. Yeah, that's very insightful. And uh, I think you can explore a particular relationship a, a lot more in depth, for sure. I mean, the, the game is about a single relationship. But it, this is also a game that prioritizes a certain, it privileges a certain kind of communication, right? Mm-hmm. At a table of five, you um, there's a lot of advantages to being someone who speaks loud, who speaks often, who can kind of claim space in a conversation very easily. Uh, and it's kind of just the name of the game. And there's lots of interesting ways as that you as a designer can like, you know, 
have everyone take turns or put certain people in, in charge of certain things and kind of like counteract that. But I think in a very strictly turn-based game, which this is, and in a two-player game and in a game that you ever you, you kind of want to be quiet for the most part um, because you're playing this really restrained situation, uh, it really is for a different, yeah, a different kind of exploration. What kind of advice would you give to people playing this game for the first time who might be like clunking through or, or not quite sure of, you know, if they're doing it right or how it's supposed to feel? Oh, um, I, I get a lot of people kind of asking like, oh, you know, is it supposed to, are we supposed to interpret it this way? Are we supposed to interpret it that way? I mean, you're supposed to follow all of the rules. There's a reason I wrote them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think one of the best people, well, I think one of the best bit, bits of advice that we've, or feedback, I mean, that we've had is, is about the um, using dialogue alone on a turn rule. So if that's not obvious enough to people, that's obviously something that, you know, I just have to reinforce or re- reinforce visually or whatever, make more obvious on the sheet. Uh, but, uh, but if you're worried in general about like, am I telling the kind of story it's supposed to tell, or am I feeling the kinds of things I'm supposed to feel? Like I've heard those concerns from people and I really have to say that like, people playing this game have come up with things that I never would have imagined, you know, and they've used it to tell, like, I remember being so surprised when the first, like, pairing used it to tell fan fiction. And it seems so obvious, to, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, like, at the time, I was just like, oh, my God, you're right. People could do fan fiction. People love that stuff. Oh, <laughs> that's, oh, boy, right? Uh, so the things like that, um, you know, or someone was telling me about, they like deliberately switched character sheets halfway through the game hmm. a while ago. Right. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's a hack, you know, it's, that's not what I wrote in the game, but like, I'm delighted beyond measure that you went for it and saw what happened. And apparently they had a good game. Yeah. Right. Like what a cool thing to do. Yeah. So, so I would say like, you know, read the rules and try to make sure that you understand them. But I, I think bringing the kind of energy of worrying about doing it right like you're a certain kind of nervous when you're playing this game and that's great. But <laughs> that particular kind of nervous, I think is just going to take you out of the experience. And I think the more present that you can be to the experience and to uh, your co-player, you're, you're going to be a lot happier. I'm wondering if you could talk about all the intentionality that you seem to put into thinking about power, power dynamics, issues of consent, while playing like mechanically would you speak to like your process and where that because it seems to be very very intentional thank you yeah well you know this is a game that like there's two people and you need both people to kind of be there in order for the game to work so you can't just say that like oh you know the door is always open and if you want to go the rest of us will just keep playing don't worry about it and then on top of it the, you know, it's a game about really intimate things. And I would hate for anyone to feel like they were getting more intimate with a person than they wanted to uh, while playing this game. Uh, because I think it's a wonderful way for people to get more intimate with each other. And if that's what they both want, then that's like the best ever. So, so no one ruined that. Um, so the way that I just thought about it was I, I wanted to make sure that at every step you have some kind of out right? You have, you know, there's, there's a verbal open negotiation and a shared 
cooperative negotiation about what things are going to be like. And then you have the X card in case when you really want to be like, no, that's no good. Like, I, I mean it. No, for real. I actually really don't want that. You have the X card. And, you know, you have a shared piece in each other's characters, right? So you have a stake in that. Um, even the fact that you can push the tower over whenever you want. Right. You could even theoretically make it look like an accident, depending on the situation. Like, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like an emergency, like secret escape hatch, right? If you're yeah. not having a good time, because That's true. I so I, on the one hand, I feel really strongly about safety, right? But also, I I think that when you only have two players, you have so much potential to tell the most amazing story Mm -hmm. because there's only two of you and you don't have to entertain or amuse or cater to anyone besides the two of you. And so it's easier to establish what both of you like and you can like, there's just, there's fewer kind of cooks in the kitchen, right? So you can really, really just narrow down on like, what are the both of us? What is the intersection between what I am absolutely wildly excited about and what you are absolutely wildly excited about. There's, there's gotta be something there, you know? And, and if it doesn't look like there is existingly, you can make something up I've discovered. (laughs) (laughs) So that was really important to me too, to just think about not just the bad things that could happen, but the great things that could happen and be always pushing it towards like to think about not just what is the function the, the functional level of this game, but like, what is the potential? What is like the absolute coolest, most amazing thing you could, you could do in your wildest dreams? Awesome. I, I, Mel said something. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was after we played. It might have been when we were listening to it again after the fact, after we released the episode, and we just listened from beginning to end. You said it's amazing, and this is funny because we play RPGs all the time. So we're constantly in these shared storytelling experiences. But you said, oh, it's so incredible that we started with nothing and we ended with this story. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> and so there's something about this game. This is like not a question that you can probably answer. Maybe we can talk about it. But there's something about this game that strikes me that it, it does that in a way that I haven't quite even experienced with other other RPGs. Do you, and I wonder if, if that's what you were just speaking to. Do you think it's the fact that it's two people, that it's so intimate, that it's so sort of constrained? Like, I'm just wondering why it is that this seems to feel so much more like, wow, what a story. What a story we just made together. I mean, gosh, I love being invited to just praise my own work. <laughs> um, it feel, feels good, man. Um, so I think maybe if if I can flatter myself, I think maybe it has to do with having uh, the scene cards, right? Where they're not just incidental inspirations for scenes. They're designed to, to give you a particular arc of what happens. And so if that arc gets interrupted, then that's a particular story, right? Of just like longing and loss and, and whatever. But especially because you played all eight scenes and then had your moment, um, then it gives you a structure of a really nice story, right? A really kind of self-contained romance arc. Um, And then on top of that, the tower falling is always that climax moment. Like it just, it's just kind of built in that your story is always going to have, you know, this in certain ways satisfying climax. So yeah, I'm kind of happy about that. 
Yeah, well, we definitely are, too. It's so much fun to play that every time I think about it. I'm like, I wish I just had a free two hours right now. Oh, yay. Oh, I'm sure we're going to play more of it for our show. What I've been kind of thinking about, because we also do relationship advice, is um, (laughs) on our show, and we usually play (laughs) Fog of Love, and that game is sort of about dating. This game is so different, because it's Mm -hmm. not really about dating. It's about you know, this star-crossed romance. So uh, do you, do you, have you had sort of in the process of creating this game and then in the process of playing it a bunch? I imagine you've played it a lot of times. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there like actual romance slash love takeaways that you've had while playing your own game where you've like realized things about love, sex, and relationships? I That is a really good question. I want some time to think about it because that's like genuinely really, really good question. I think maybe I've come to certain like realizations and I don't know if any of it can be expressed in the form of advice because I think of most of the realizations as just kind of like crystallizations of things that I was already thinking and experiencing that are now just like, like, you know, the satisfying thing when someone puts into words what you were thinking and feeling, Mm -hmm. this is like that, except I've, instead of putting it into words, I've put it into a system (laughs) of like, this is what it's like to just feel certain things that you're not going to be able to act on. And I think the way in which, like, if there's any advice, the, the way in which this story can give you something to, to bring into the rest of your life with you is just like, I think you tell a satisfying story and I think you have a cool experience, you know, a worthwhile, a valuable experience whether or not the two characters, you know, quote unquote, get together at the end and whether they get together at the end, like even if they do, it might not be a good thing just because they get together doesn't mean everything is solved or you're necessarily in good spot at all. And so I, I maybe I think about that a little bit more and just reminding myself that like, I think a lot of people see unrequited love as this like miserable, like awful place to be. And I, I don't know that it is like, I think when you feel a certain way about someone, maybe you can just experience that as what it is, as just like a life experience, you know, a feeling that you can have and it can feel terrible and awful and cool and good and kind of all over the place. Right. Uh, like, like love often is. Um, so I think, I think maybe, I think maybe if anything, and I don't even know how much value that has, but, uh, but I, I do think that that, that takeaway from the game actually does relate to how we actually engage with other humans. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a fantastic answer. I, I, I've been thinking myself about how, you know, we've been playing this game Fog of Love and recording us play it and then talking about it, unpacking it. But then we played Starcross mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, right. There are like all these other kinds of relationships that also are sort of romantic and sort of and, and like it just opened all these other possibilities that that when we just played this other game we weren't sort of considering those kinds of relationships. Ethan, that's a really good point because we, excuse me, we talked a lot about gender and and gender roles and gender dynamic as well as like uh, same sex relationships. We have talked about doing an episode or two or three or however many uh, where the characters are gender fluid. Um, And we haven't quite gotten there yet because, you know, there's a lot to consider in making sure that we accurately represent it without being cheesy or corny. 
Um, but all that being said, I think that it's really interesting because in addition to the fact that there are all those dynamics, there are a similar amount of dynamics that we could explore um, as far as just not even being in a relationship, right? Because when you play fog of love, you're automatically in a relationship with this other human being, you know, male, female, something else, doesn't matter. You're in that, like, I don't know, pact, for lack of a better term, <laughs> of a relationship. But in the game Starcrossed, you know, that I hope we continue to play forever and ever because <laughs> play right now that we're talking about it I so know, much. Right? But anyway, in, in the game Starcrossed, you know, you don't have that. And so there's a lot of other gray area to kind of play with and work with and even as uh, a couple a married couple which the two of us happen to be did you know that, that we were i did know that yeah. um you know there's a lot there that we can also then unpack at the end that can benefit us just as a married couple you know like it's it's almost like you know we talk about games as therapy all the time but mm-hmm. you know it's it's another way that you can talk about you know I, my character made this decision or my character felt this way and like here's a parallel to real life. Or what do you think about my character doing X, Y, Z? And I think it's just a brilliant way to bring people even closer together because you're thinking about these things that directly impact you in real life. And whether or not your characters in Starcross get together or not, you still have that interaction. And it's not about that relationship. Or like you said, whether they do get together or not is not the point, right? We're exploring that relationship and, and telling this really amazing shared story together. So that's my five cents, I guess. I don't know. It's really, really long. But I've been thinking about this game a lot since we played it. Thank you. I'm really glad that um, that you've brought such like a thoughtful perspective and that it's so fresh in your mind while we're still talking. Um, I think that's really insightful. And I'm glad that, that you know, instead of having like sort of a few stock things that, that come up after, uh, after a session of Starcrossed, that you just have conversations that stuff just comes up and that it is a little more freeform than that. Cause I don't know. I think that's such a fruitful creative space. What's the, I'm wondering what the most surprising thing is that you've experienced through this whole process. Is there something that stands out for you? Well, you know what? I will tell you about an experience I had. Um, at one point I was playtesting at a convention and usually when I'm running this at cons, uh, I get like four players and just set them up at two separate towers and kind of talk to them and get them started. And then I uh, just observe from afar. But at this at this one particular play test, uh, we needed an extra player. Uh, we only had like three, I guess. And so I played with this complete stranger at a con. And it was so funny because I realized that I got really nervous. I was like, I don't know if I want to play with this like total rando, even though that's what I been asking people to do, you know, and expected that that would be fine. So it was like time to play test my game time to really like push it, you know, and say, okay, well, if it, if I don't feel right about it, then I can calibrate my experience time to use those tools that I built into my own damn game, see if they're good or not. (laughs) So, uh, so that was, you know, what was it like? What was it like to play with someone? It was so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. We told this really, really, really lovely story that was sweet and had this very sad kind of bittersweet ending. They they did not end up together. Like, oh, my goodness. And (laughs) it was so sad. It was, like, really early on that it fell. And one of them sort of just kind of spilled it. Like, uh, yeah, maybe, like, 
you know, they, they sort of made like a proposition, you know, and the other person was like, you know, that wouldn't be a good idea. Like, it's not going to happen. And, and they were like, yeah, I know. And it was just Aww. so like, uh, and, and in a way that felt true to life, right. Then in a way that didn't feel exaggerated, didn't feel romance novel. It really felt like experiences that I have had, you know, and that, that people have had of situations where just not everyone could be happy. Uh, cause that's real life. And it was, it was very gentle and it was very tender and, um, it was a lovely game. And so I was, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that I was surprised, but, um, but it was very good and validating and made me feel a lot better as a designer to know that like, okay, it does make people nervous to play this in total strangers, but I can say confidently that, you know, you should be okay. That if you're, if if you take all that I give you, then I I feel like I've done the responsible thing in design wise. That sounds That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a great learning experience that you did <laughs> not plan, which is usually the best kind. <laughs> it, yeah, that's how it goes. So I'm really curious if you've gotten feedback from both um, romantic couples and just complete strangers or friends or whomever playing the game about like if that experience is similar or different or if it even makes a difference if you're playing like for example with my husband versus I don't know somebody I meet randomly well understanding that you just explained like your own experience like yes I probably would be nervous knowing myself but (laughs) (laughs) uh I think there well for one thing there haven't been many people who've played it that many times right besides me yeah so uh it's it's hard to get a lot of data from people on having played it with different people because if people do play it again, it tends to be with the same person, gotcha. um, or they play it but always at, like randomly at cons or whatever. Gotcha. So, I I know that people in all kinds of different relationships have played it, and I know that I personally have played it with you know, people I wasn't involved in and people I was, uh, sorry, involved with and, uh, good friends, complete strangers, <laughs> uh, partners, like a pretty wide spectrum. And it's like, it has felt different, but the thing is it feels different depending on the particular person, right? Like it's, it's, it's often convenient to classify relationships into categories and that's useful, but ultimately like every person and every relationship that you have with every person is unique. And so I can't say that playing it with your husband will feel like this, playing it with your best friend will play like this. Like that depends on who your husband is, depends on who your best friend is, (laughs) who knows? And to me, I, I think what, like what maybe the, the important variable, the relevant variable is, is how comfortable you are with showing something of yourself to that person. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're comfortable showing different parts of yourself to your best friend than you are to your partner, than you are to, you know, this other partner who you have a completely different relationship with to your friend to a casual acquaintance versus a complete stranger like who knows right, right. um I, I think there are parts of ourselves that are easier to share in the relative anonymity of like well i'm just seeing this person once at a con and never again um versus someone who you have a lot real um kind of invested in that's so uh, true 
Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a yeah, there's a reason why pe- people go places like certain places online where you, where you can be anonymous, for example, and you know, or or the priest confessional, right, where you have this yeah. feeling of anonymity, because it's just there's a reason why people want and need that for various things. So, I. I I definitely encourage people to think about like, what are you going to be able to bring and what does the person already know? You know, like that's another advantage of playing with someone who you know really well is that they do know a little bit about you or they, or they think they do, right. They're going to have assumptions about what you're into and what you like uh, and what you don't like, whether or not they're true. So yeah, the, the combination of existing knowledge and what you're willing to not just show and tell, but put into that character, right? Because there's always going to be a little bit of yourself in any character, but it's like, which parts are you going to put in? I'd like to shift from the game to ask you a personal question that I'm curious about because my vocation, vocationally, I'm an Episcopal priest. Oh, cool. And so when we, that's part of why we picked the priests. And I'm not. <laughs> no, nor are you a nun, but you are an associate of a religious order. Yes, yes. And uh, so we wanted to do a religious scenario because it just seemed like a fun thing for us to do. But I think that I've picked up from a couple of things on Twitter that you're a religious person. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. I wanted to ask you about your background in that. If you if you don't want to because you don't feel comfortable, of course, we don't have to. But just because of my own religious interest. Yeah, totally. No, I that is so interesting. And that's something I never get asked. And I would love to talk about that more. Oh, cool. Um, I, well, I have a background in pastoral theology. Really? Um, oh, yeah, which is sort of like – and I have a minor in psychology as well, okay. which is a sensible combo. Sure. Um, yeah, right. So basically my my degree is a mix of like psychology and some theology and some other stuff, stuff on group dynamics and facilitation and mediation. Um, so it didn't end up pursuing that. Uh, have hung out with lots of different folks from different, I don't know, situations and, and groups and, uh, and churches. Um, have most recently been feeling kind of a permanent thing with the Quakers. Cool. Um, which I I can't I can't say there's any strong Quaker influence on this design, but I'm wondering how it will, uh, how that will, on future designs. I think um, when it comes to my gr- background feeding into this, like I think a lot of the way that I think about safety and I think about like the ethics of having int- an intimate relationship, for example, people might find this surprising, but I think a lot of it does actually come from like. Uh, Christian theology and Catholic theology, our conclusions are very different, but the sort of core principle of like never using another person as a means to an end and like respect for the person as an end in themselves, um, like that informs everything that I do. And so because I also have the kind of general uh, progressive sex positive thing going on, and that's been a huge influence in me, like even actually way for way longer than studying theology has been my, my approach to how I think about and systematize and my ideal concept of relationships is informed by this weird mashup of those two things that, uh, is often alien to both groups, but it's actually a little mix of both. So I think about that and, um, I think about like the imagination of people and, you know, thinking about myths and symbols. I, I, I think all, it's hard to trace exactly how, but I think all of that feeds into what I get excited about in game design. 
I can sort of see it in a nebulous way in the design of the game and especially in the way you seem to enjoy playing it, like listening to you play the game and the things you sort of talked about when playing it, especially now that I'm hearing you talk about your background. I mean, it's very clear you have a very strong grip on sort of the psychology of people as <laughs> especially as they're interacting with one another and and that definitely so oh, that even shines a whole new light on when you played uh the psychologist in wasn't your character a psychologist in one shot it was a oh yeah oh my gosh that's right i was like i was like okay alex two things don't do sci-fi again and don't like be yourself like be something really different and i'm like i'm gonna be a uh, psychology student uh in love with an alien damn it yeah it was so good though well only the first half is out so actually i have no idea what's gonna happen but um i can't wait but it's really good Um, you're gonna no spoilers but you're gonna love it (laughs) (laughs) well can we do we have enough time to play a silly game while we have you hit me let's do this we are going to play a game, and I like to do, like I said, like I was saying, I like to do this on Preschool where I like to get really interesting people in the show and then be like, hey, now we're going to play a BuzzFeed game, and it just puts people in really funny situations. Um, and this one is themed not just on romance, um, because we're talking about Starcross, <laughs> but it's also, yes, this is the one, but it's also very uh, timely because it relates to the Avengers, and Avenger, the new Avenger movie is out uh, today uh, as we are recording this. So this, and everybody's watching it but you right now. Everyone's watching it <laughs> but me right now, yes. This quiz on BuzzFeed is called Which Avenger Will You Marry Based on the Wedding That You Plan? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to actually make both of you do it. Good old BuzzFeed. It, now, some of these are... Uh, I'm visual- sorry. I think you need our consent. Can okay. you request nicely? <laughs> please. <laughs> Would you... <laughs> Would you both please be willing to play this BuzzFeed game with me? Yes, thank you for asking. Thank you for way, the way that you asked that. It sounded like like she and I were going to get married. Uh, that was a respectful, <laughs> respectful and, and serious request for this serious undertaking. Yep. Yes, I will. I will do this. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I guess you could have x you could have x card it or x it. I forget how you said. It. I like the way you guys said it when you played. You're like, we're gonna x yeah. that. Um, anyway. Okay, so some of this is visual, so I'm just going to do my best to articulate describe. your choice, describe your choices. Paint, paint us a word picture. I'm going to try to paint you a word picture for these, and I've got two windows up so I can keep track of both of your answers. It's far too many windows. Um, Mel has an advantage because she can see the visuals, but I will do my best. No, I can't. I won't look. Then there won't be an advantage. So we're planning your wedding, and based on that, you're going to know which Avenger you're going to marry. Oh, love So um, we'll, we'll... Are you an uh, Avenger? I'm not an Avenger. I think you're going to be at the end of this. I think if they had a chaplain, I could be the chaplain for the Avengers. That's that's like an open role, so I feel like you're you're up there in line. It's mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> Alex, I'll let you pick first. Um, you're gonna first. You're gonna pick your ring, and this is your engagement ring. Uh, the first mm-hmm. choice is like is that a princess cut? No, that's more of like a round cut diamond, big round cut diamond on a gold band. Or a black opal surrounded by diamonds with with white gold. Um, A garnet set with diamonds around it. It's like a round or princess cut uh, garnet. I like your professional voice. (laughs) With with a gold (laughs) band. Or another white gold band with a single round diamond ring and green stones accompanying it. Sort of of like a Celtic kind of style. So Mm -hmm. to to go back through them, it's the, the single... 
large diamond with gold band, the opal set on the white gold with diamonds, the garnet surrounded by diamonds, and or the yellow more, gold, and yellow gold, or the more Celtic design. Uh, I okay. If there's no non-diamond option, no. um, I you will pick. Say that they are all. Not blood diamonds. You will say they're, they're all, all Canadian. Yeah. They're all Canadian diamonds Canadian harvested diamond. in the in the Yukon. Yeah, getting some getting some good jobs up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess of those, uh, if I if if I had to choose one, I would probably pick the garnet. That's that's the one. And Mel, how about you? Such a hard choice. I think I would pick the just a single. St- stone this one yeah with the yellow gold band it makes me think of my wedding okay now you're going to pick a season for the wedding and of course your choices are autumn spring winter and summer alex i okay so i want to say summer because i love summer but i know that if i for some reason actually did get married it would have to be like off season because i'm like savvy with the pricing yes so it'd probably be like autumn I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted. Mm. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to say summer. Just do yeah. it on some random Tuesday in the summer. It'll be real cheap. <laughs> I'll just I'll just do it in some mountain somewhere that's like there not a venue. Perfect. Yeah. And for you, well, you know, I have to pick winter. You could have picked differently. Nope, You're marrying somebody else besides me. I am. You're an <laughs> adventure in this game. Um, okay, is it an indoor or outdoor ceremony? Uh, hmm, probably outdoor. Yeah, I mean, if it's summer, let's get out there. Yeah, totally. I have to say indoor because it's very cold in the winter, as we experienced. (laughs) Yeah, January. Wanted to cry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Not because of the wedding, by the way. Just, just for clarity, it was very cold. (laughs) Um, Melissa, would you please help me describe? Certainly, describe these wedding dresses. Can I? Can this microphone is in my way? (laughs) Um. Okay. So the first one. Is that the as big as the picture gets? It is the whole oh, picture. Oh, it's weird. So, us. so for context, Alex and those listening, um, it's like the midsection, so you can see, not even shoulders. You can see like from. Oh, it's like up at the collarbones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the first one is actually lower than collarbones, but top of bust down, but it cuts off probably right about the knee. It's a very bizarre way to. Oh, okay. If the, okay, basically, if there's one that is short instead of long, I'll take that one. That one. To make it easier well, on you. One. Okay, there, there is go. one out of four that is okay. short and yep. not long. And so for, Perfect. so for you, for these four options you have here. Oh, man. I hate all of them. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, wedi- wedding dresses are usually pretty ugly. I just went with the thing that I know that I like, which is not wearing a long dress. What you want to do, you didn't want a long dress for our actual wedding. Yeah, you and a short it's dress. actually really hard to find a shorter dress. Yeah. It is. Two yeah. Somewhere. I'll have to go with this one. This one. It's Mo- uh wait, I have to describe it. Please do. It's got like a long, is that a, a veil? It's that a veil, in? I believe. I can't tell because she has no head. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm just getting, just getting these tiny pieces of information, like without the whole picture is really, really painting a very particular image in my mind. <laughs> and now your flowers. And this is the one I was like, ah, this is going to be the hardest one no, ever. No, the colors. Just to tell describe. the colors. Well, I, I had a plan. Because they all look it. exactly the same inside. Right, so why don't you describe this first one for us? There's yellow roses with, like, light green leaves. You know how they put the leaves in the flowers. Mm. And, um, um, and white. Are those daisies? They're, like, little daisies. 
That's the mm. first one. The second one great. is more of like a almost a red, white, and blue sort of theme. There's yep. like beautiful blue flowers. There's no roses. I the can blue see. is kind of like like a cerulean blue, yeah. like a night sky. Yeah, very rich. And then you sort of have your white. classic white roses um, with white flowers around it. Very sort of traditional classic look. And then the fourth one is a little more wild. Um, I don't know how to <laughs> describe it. There's like, there's like, yeah, darker colors and like... Um, it's like a purple, a purplish dark. Okay, so it's a dark purple and a light purple and a little bit of pink with longer green leaves sticking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, and some dark reds. Oh, man, okay, this is tough because I just remembered that, like, there is one Avenger who I think is much prettier and nicer than all of oh. the other ones. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to think of which ones he would like, because I don't think he would necessarily like my dress or my venue. So, um, oof, oof, a doof. Uh, no, I should be true to myself, and I should pick the one with the little daisies in it. The one with the little daisies in it. That's a great choice, and also yeah. the one that I would pick. And Mel picks the same. It's all right. Oh, nice. And we're on to cakes. Now we are picking a cake. So you've got a green, tall green cake with purple... The green cake has five tiers. Five tiers. It's a big cake. Oof. Purple flowers running up the side. And then you have um, another five-tiered cake with, like, roses, like pink and purple roses running up the side. It's a white cake with roses. Then you have a smaller uh, three-tiered traditional white cake. Very simple. And then you have a, uh, again, sort of the wild card cake, I think, which is, like, is that a cinnamon bun it on top? It looks like a cinnamon bun I want cake. that one. It has powdered sugar on it and like maybe fruit it looks like or something. Yeah, those are grapes. flowers. Yeah, it's it's quite different. I want that one. All right, Mel's picking that one. I am called to uh, the testimony of simplicity and I will pick that really simple cake. That's the, the one, one tier white one. Okay, we got. Sorry, we're trying not to laugh while you're still speaking because because was, the Avengers just popped up. Popped oh no! Oh no! Oh my gosh! I'm scared. I'm scared up. to know. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. Now, before I give you your result, that's uh, just mean. Uh, no, I would like to know <laughs> if you were going to pick an Avenger before you know your answer, who would you pick? I uh, can I write it down? Yeah, okay, do that. Do that. Okay, just go. Tell oh, me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell so me. Tell me. Excited about go, the, go, how this go. is going to come out. Okay, so uh, we have answers for both of you. Uh-huh. And Alex is a Avenger that she's going to marry based on the choices that she picked. Ask her what her favorite color is. Very deliberately. That was... Um, is the Hulk. The Hulk. Oh, my favorite part about this is that I was like, when you're like, I'm going to write it down. I'm like, yes, please take the time to write it down because there's almost no chance your answer is the Hulk. Oh my god! Okay, but here's the thing. I'm thinking it. Well, okay. I want to. I want to hear what the other result was. Go, go, okay. go. And Mel got Thor, who may be the dreamiest of all of the. Uh... Mel, is it? Is it long hair Thor? It is. Mm-hmm. Oh, He's winking at me. He is. He's winking. There's winking involved. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, Thor is only comes in GIF form. <laughs> oh, I just it's where he is most powerful. Amazing fanfic. Uh, Thor and Hulk. Thor and Thor Hulk. Hulk. Star Cross. Hulk. Yep. Hulk. Oh my God, yes, please. Okay, so go ahead now with your thing. Oh, you're going to, you want me to reveal? Yes, I do. It was a difficult call, but. Wait, there's an and. It's, <laughs> it says Thor and Captain America. 
I love it. Is this, like a, <laughs> is this like a triad relationship? Yeah, I think uh, it would be extremely confusing to them both, but but they're good hearted. <laughs> they're good hearted boys. They'll figure it out. Yeah. So like a so like a polyamorous triad relationship. You, Captain America, and Thor. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? There you Why go. not? But but I'm I'm actually you know I'm very compelled by this Bruce Banner thing because Hulk. You're like that's no very that's that's no good at all. But you know. I enjoy Bruce Banner. I, I think he's obviously an intelligent guy. Um, you know, he he's had some struggles, but um, he he seems like he really does his best to kind of to work things through and keep things under control. And, and I think, you know, he can make me laugh. So, yeah. <laughs> he's slightly less green than the Hulk, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I like that you asked her what her favorite color is. I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so before we lose you, I have one last final question about the game, which is really not about the game itself. But uh, how did it feel to, like, in less than 24 hours, not only meet your goal on Kickstarter, Raise but, a bajillion dollars. But just, like, the really overwhelming positive response. What was that like for you? Uh, seeing, like, a number go up is just, like, I feel like your brain can kind of choose to just, like, ah, I'm not going to process that. Uh, no, mm, like I just won't, you know, uh, kind of do anything with that because it's so much. It's so it's just really nice to think of everyone just believing in the game and and being so supportive of it and wanting it apparently so bad. But what has like what has meant more and what gets to me is the way that people have responded with their words. Like when people talk about the game, when they tweet about the game, you know, we I've seen like. Uh, when people have me on and they talk about it the way that the two of you do about your experience with it, just the actual plays that I've heard, like that means so much to me, you know, that my game really touches people and, and speaks to them and reflects their experiences or, or lets them live out something that is exciting or important to them. Like that, that is the thing that is just like amazing. Like that I have just been totally high for the past, like, Oh my gosh, it's only been like 17 days. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, thank you for taking the time to come on our show. And and congratulations on a well-deserved de- Kickstarter success. And thank you so much for letting us play your game. I can't wait to play it again. Absolutely. And for being so vulnerable and honest and open about talking about all the stuff you talked about on the show. Including the Hulk. <laughs> including including my new relationship I'm now betrothed to the Hulk uh, thank you so much for asking super interesting really good questions it was a really fun chat thank you we'll be the one who sails across the seas and takes me safely to the shore
fate unfolds to the underworld. I know I'll never lay my head. 